0: I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, a beautiful and inspiring and thought provoking book about art journaling. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy. And this is episode 354, Poignant Palette. And it sounds funny to me, a little bit ironic to call today's show poignant, to use that term in the title. I don't think I'm going to sound all that poignant, but I am not one to let a hoarse or raspy voice keep me away from recording. As long as I have air, let's do this. That is going to be my MO at this point. So here we are, and the 100 day challenge is underway. It is underway, not quite a full week old yet. And I know some of you are off to a great start. I'm really enjoying seeing the works coming through in the Creativity Matters podcast group and at Instagram where I follow. I listened to the first episode of the new The 100 Day Project podcast yesterday definitely worth listening and I will put a link in the show notes. I really, really want to talk about this project that I'm doing for the 100 days, but I think I should probably hold off just a bit. I am both excited, very actually, and conflicted, a little nervous, a little confused, a little skeptical, but I am really enjoying it so far and feeling A bit compulsive about it in some ways. No one could have predicted this pivot. I would never have told you this is what I would be doing. And I actually think there's something quite wonderful and perfect. And I'm going to go on a limb and say, even charming or whimsical, to taking that approach to the 100 day project. So I'll hold on to the details about that, let it simmer just a little bit more. For those of you that are nurturing and supporting me and others in the 100 Day Project at Instagram, thank you. Thank you. It's worthwhile to take time and say thank you. We all need that. There is an official Facebook component this year for the challenge, but it is still largely an Instagram thing. So at once you are part of a big thing, as well as maybe sharing work that is new to you or divergent for you or different or vulnerable or all of those things. There's something almost counterintuitive about doing work that is outside your norm and yet putting it out there so publicly in this way. Not everyone's 100-day projects are outside of their norm, and that's perfectly fine. But some are. I think some are. No matter what you are doing, supporting one another creatively is so important. I have had conversations more than once this year with someone who is stingy with likes. Someone who tells me that by not clicking like on all the things, it means the things that do elicit a like are really liked they really show something. That the things we like tell a story about our own aesthetic, which is true. And yet I find that mentality, that approach, that methodology, that stinginess, sad. I think through what it means to sit and scroll through a stream in a group or a feed or a page that you are actively interested in, that you are a part of. To scroll through and see works and think, no, I'm not going to click like. What does that mean? What does that say about each of us? What does that say about how we think about community? How we think about our work versus the work of others? What it implies? What it breeds? What it means and says and how it feels on the other side? I believe there is more power in supporting work, in being open to the sheer range of work and creative effort and inspiration and story, in liking beyond your own tunnel of vision, in being honest with your likes, and yet generous, too, with your support. So do the work. Be you. Do you. Love what you do. Keep pushing and sharing and being vulnerable. Grow, practice, play, learn, support others, seek and make and cultivate connections. And repeat. Be brave with your own work and be committed to your own voice. That is one of the hardest things of all that we do with our creative lives. Stay true to our individual voices, which doesn't mean you never change. It doesn't mean you never change. You're always actively pushing and prodding and tweaking and turning and exploring, trying and testing and playing. Stay true to your voice. Be brave, be true, be generous with others, and be grateful for the support given. Be grateful for the time spent by those who do stop to share a kind word, a nudge, an encouraging thought, or perspective. Be appreciative, be open. And remember, too, positive intent. Positive intent. Sometimes, even the best intentioned comment may strike you wrongly. Remember positive intent. There's a way back show on that, and I encourage you to find it and listen. I'll try and link to it in the show notes. That idea, which I heard on another podcast, was transformative for me. I think of it often. Often. I really do. Positive intent. It's an important thing to consider. So I do have a book for today. I may not end up with more than a minute of talk, or I may end up with an hour. I don't know how this will quite go or how it will quite unfold. I appreciate those of you that tune in for books, that you enjoy hearing about books, because books are so much fun and they're so inspiring and so comforting. I don't know that I have the words for the book that I want to talk about today. And that's a strange response, but that is how I felt when I looked at it. I sat last night and I was thinking, oh, I want to talk about this book, but I wasn't sure that I would be able to string together the right words to really sort it out in a way that makes sense for the show. Are there books that you have picked up? And I'm sure there are books that you have picked up that are to you so beautiful, so poignant. They contain work that is so harmonious or balanced, achingly beautiful. They touch something within you. They speak to some part of you that you may not even realize you have nestled in there, tucked in deep. Or maybe you have that experience with books that are so raw or so honest or so bold, so graphic, so intense, so layered, so high color. Maybe it happens for you in the pages of cartoon panels. Maybe it happens for you in the pages of other sketchbook journals. Something that grabs you and just won't let go because you respond so intensely and somehow so personally. You feel somehow that this book is so connected to you. Somehow so connected to you, maybe so much of what you love or want, even if not what you do or who you are. I can think of that experience with many art books through the years, books in a range of styles, actually, lots of different people, lots of different kinds of books. There definitely have been those books. And it is always a wonderful thing when those books land in your lap, when you open them up completely unsuspecting and are swept away. And of course, that is what happens with art. The art we may choose to hang on our walls. The art we choose to love and carry with us. You may respond in exactly that way. That is the beauty and the transformative power of art. There is a piece that I actually showed this morning on my personal page that will be on display next week at my son's senior art show. And it is a beautiful piece. Yes, I'm his parent, and yes, I'm incredibly proud. It is a beautiful piece. There is something about the light. There is something about the tone. There's something about the windows, the vantage, the view. Every time I look at it, I am completely captivated by this piece. That's what we're all looking for in the art that we see and love, in the artists that we admire and are inspired by, that feeling of being swept up, caught up, held, nurtured, and inspired, and maybe transported into a place that we can't even quite conceptualize or understand or articulate, but somehow we respond so emotionally. I don't know why this book caught me in the way that it did. I have another book that I had thought about mentioning with this book. I thought about talking about them both briefly. And I had only flipped through this one just quickly. I must have just quickly looked at it and I set it aside, knowing that I wanted to come back to it. And I thought that might make a good pairing. So I picked up this book last night to take a closer look and get ready. And I was swept away. But even so, I knew I didn't have the words. I'm not quite sure I can articulate my why, or the what. I'm going to try. There is a quote in this book that I meant to copy in here and say at the beginning that loosely translates to, if we could give words to everything we thought or wanted to say, there would be no reason to paint. And I was really struck by that. As someone who uses words, I was really, really taken with that quote. I find it quite beautiful. So I'm not quite sure that I will be able to articulate my response to this book. I'm going to try. And this may just be a stream of consciousness, palimpsest of words and imagery, which may very well be why you listen to the CMP, just for this background noise of words. And I can actually understand that. But I am going to try and track through this book. And I also know, and I say up front, this may not be your cup of tea. I don't think you're going to find anything red in this book. It may not be your cup of tea. It is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. It probably is a match for a certain aesthetic, but I think all of you should look at it. The book is the Painted Art Journal 24 Projects for Creating Your Visual Narrative by Jean Oliver, and her first name might be pronounced differently. I never know. The cover gives a very good sense Of the feel of her work and of this book. The cover shows an art journal page that is softly toned blues and golds, mustards and grays, and neutrals. Beautiful balance. There's a figure, probably a transfer or a collage. There are florals embedded. There is a piece collaged into place that reminds me of wallpaper. There are paint swatches. There are handwriting and dotted details. There are hints of a ledger peeking through, and in the still life image of the cover, you see this art journal page, and then some of those elements off to the side. The mustard paper with its whimsical white floral, a palette knife, a piece of something like linen or burlap, a paintbrush in a yellow color that echoes the page and the paper. The water dish with echoes of the blue. It is as whole integration of color and pattern and layering that sweeps me away in this book. There's beautiful balance. This cover is very beautifully done. There is something about the way that Oliver uses color, the way she creates her pages that makes them seamless. So the whole is made out of these layers and pieces and yet works in a way that is so poignant so complete, so compelling to me, everything woven together into a beautiful whole. It reaches out and really speaks to me. I was sitting there last night and thinking, her beautiful work is something I respond to so strongly in style and color and tone, and yet so incredibly far from the reality of me. In my head and in my heart, Maybe somehow this is where I am, and somehow part of who I am, who I am aesthetically, not in how I create necessarily, but in what I love and value, and yet not at all where or how I do my own work. It was a disorienting feeling to respond so strongly and feel so much in keeping with this book and this aesthetic. And know that that is not at all what I do. It was disorienting in the same way that I'll sit there at times remembering my favorite chair. The warmth of the palette which has been lost. And the smell will drift through my awareness sudden, powerful, heady. And it will take me a moment to realize the source. And then to wonder why I only notice it now and then, in this drifting way. It is something that sits in this room at all times. And yet only every now and again do I smell it. Does this wave pass by, suddenly flows through wispy, and dreamlike, this wash of smell that fills you, transports you. The Painted Art Journal, 24 Projects for Creating Your Visual Narrative. Get it from the library. I'll say that first. Get it from the library because I am going to wax so poetic, (laughs) so poetic about this book, that I don't want to mislead you or steer you wrong, I use the library and you should too. So check it out. See if it's your cup of tea. It's from 2018, so your chances are good. This is a book about art journaling. If you are someone who loves to mix media, to add paint and paper elements and transfers to a page, you like to get messy, you like to play with lots of ephemera, then I think you will be interested in seeing this. For those of you that simply love to look at a beautiful book about art or creativity or process, I think you'll respond to the book as a whole and to Oliver's art. And that's me in a lot of ways. I may never, ever do this kind of art, but I love to spend time just flipping through a beautiful book like this. And some of you don't, and that's okay. Some of you don't like the aesthetics of books when it comes to creativity. It's not your thing. You told me that in response to Ladies Drawing Night. You aren't interested in the crafted and yes, definitely staged aesthetics that go into making up a book. I respond to that. I really do. I respond to that. It is exhilarating to hold and flip through a gorgeous book. And of course it is staged. Of course The staging may very well be what holds that transformative power. You look and you want, and maybe it isn't completely real. I don't know. But it is that image that captures me. So I respond to a beautifully photographed and written, well-written, beautifully written, well-laid out book. A book that holds both photos of finished art and process shots, and photos of the artist, and the tools, and close-ups, and vignettes, and snippets, all of it. I love that. When it's well done, I love that. This book captures something poignant for me. The wish, the want, the what if. Maybe there are layers of sentimentality in how we respond to certain books. Definitely. Reflection of who I am, who I am not, I know in my head who I am, and more and more, I have to deal with the reality of who I am not, who I will never be again, who I may never be at all. I looked at a small set of photos this week, taken about 10 years ago, and it was so hard to believe the changes 10 years have brought. Really hard. Really hard. I thought about these photos In the context of looking at this book, I am not going to glue these photos to a page. I'm not going to turn them into something that's not really me. I don't have the tools. I don't have the piles of stuff. I don't have the experience. I don't necessarily have the drive. It's just not really where my creative energies go to draw the story and the progression and the thread that looking at those brings up for me. To draw all that out and bring it to the page. Sure, I can see the threads. I can layer all of it together in my head. Little images come into play. Flowers, yes. Faces of roses. Soda cans of daisies. Soft pink cardigan. Black velour jacket. A park bench. Duck pond. Pebbled beach. All kinds of things come up, windows, books, lots of things. And then the shifting tones, the way the story changes, the years. I see all of it. I see the rest of the story, everything hanging there in the balance. And it's a tumble and a jumble. And we easily fall into that tumble and jumble when we pull one thread out, one thread out of our existence or our history, our timeline. And we stop and we think about all of the associations, the markers, the smells and tastes and colors, patterns and textures and nuances, the fragments of laughter and conversation and hindsight and wishing and thinking and the choices made, all of it, those moments now gone. So I can look at those photos and know all of that's there. And what this book is about is taking that one little thread of a story, and turning it into something visual. Turning it into something visual. And see, I haven't even gotten really past the cover of the book. And things aren't going to necessarily improve. Because I started reading her introduction, and I got hooked. I am a sucker for the words. I love to read the words out loud. Quote, it was during this time of honoring my gifts, and intentional quiet, That memories started to flood my mind of Illinois woods, dirt roads, floral wallpaper, my grandparents, cornfields, old farmhouses, sheets drying on the clothesline, silos, small town Main Street, the home I grew up in, my childhood dreams, the joys and pains from growing up, our brokenness and our joys. So many of the images and memories that make up who I am. End quote. And this book is all about that. It's about telling your own story, your story, in your way, being authentic, being true to you, and bringing that all about visually. There are some really wonderful photos of Oliver in this book, in her studio, at work. There are wonderful photos of her art in her studio, lining the floors, tucked in places, layered and stacked. And these photos create their own assemblage, new levels of art created from the art, which I think is really cool. The book has suggestions for you for ways to find and to gather, to trace and to unearth your story, to open the box on the story that you want to tell. Quote, each of our stories is so different, lovely and broken in its own way. Being an artist and a very visual person, I enjoy the act of gathering. I like to collect, sort, and curate the beautiful things around me. I like to be intentional. It helps me see clearly. Over the years, I have found that by gathering and then intentionally sifting through the bits that I have collected, that I have come to understand myself better. The art I want to make... The palette that authentically calls to me, and even the lines and designs that are waiting for me to reach out and create. End quote. And then, quote, the act of gathering and creating a storyboard will help you narrow down what is really calling to you. As you begin this journey to discover your stories, I believe you will be surprised with all the beautiful and broken parts that make up your story that you may not regularly consider. This exercise gives you the opportunity to pull together the story that is already all around you. You just need to see it. End quote. And these two paragraphs form the intro for a chapter called Gathering Your Story Elements. And in this section, she guides you in the process of making a storyboard. And it's a form of collage. Some of you have done vision boards that are similar. You've done projects like that. It's a collection of personal elements, a project and process that might help you see your story, your direction, your palette. Her example, it's wonderful. It's really gorgeous. There is a chapter called Alternate Journal Options, and then one on creating a portable studio with directions for making a travel watercolor set and an old tin, something that you may have done or may already know how to do. The directions are clear. and well-illustrated. You'll also see what's in her portable kit, which she uses a tackle box, calls it a tackle box studio. As someone who has used tackle boxes and or toolboxes through the years, I really liked seeing that. I always think it's fun to see what people use as containers. My son has carried his paint in an old orange toolbox from the basement for the last few years to school. And at one back to school night, one teacher did make the association with who my son was by saying, oh, yeah. He's the one who carries the orange toolbox. There are two beautiful chapters on finding your palette and your marks, seeing your story in color and mark making and symbolism. There's a chapter on found poetry, an informative chapter on the elements of composition. Always good to review. Always wonderful to see how someone else explains it and illustrates that with her own work. She covers transfer techniques about color, which is a big part of this book, she writes, quote, Have you thought much about why you may be drawn to a certain piece of art or the work of a specific artist? I believe that our first gut response to a piece has so much to do with color. When we can find our own color palette, it helps not only to narrow down our tools, but to have freedom to create art that is authentic to our eye, our stories, and our hand. Creating your story's color palette is a beautiful exercise in looking for and connecting to the story you want to tell. This is an example of the fact that so often what you are looking for is already right in front of you, end quote. I have a real love of palette swatch projects in all forms. And she shows several examples of palette testing, of color testing, and working this out and what it looks like for her and I really love seeing people who do palette projects in general, I always think that this somehow has a spot for me, a place in the way I work and in how I want to work, that even as I find my home in black and white, there is a someday coming that involves mark making and swatching in this way, which is different than Just using color. And right now, right now, having said that, I am on the spot really, really, really thinking about that. I can see this, this vision of this in my head. I see it. I feel it. I think the 100 Day Project may give me a lot of freedom to explore and play. Or maybe, maybe index card a day that is also a strong maybe. So I think there are some palettes in my future, some palette play, maybe. This book has some beautiful examples of palette work. There is a project called Creating Your Timeline, and her timeline project is presented as a wheel, as a circular piece, a circle that you fill in the wedges. Quote, the circular storytelling through the timeline also allowed me to see how each part was connected and built one upon another. Of any art I have ever created in my life, the timeline has been the most powerful to date in understanding myself. End quote. She does a project with an old class photo. That is really interesting to see in the process steps. There is a chapter called Cast a Characters on Portraiture, on illustrating the people who make up the cast of your personal history, and her approach to that is gorgeous. That project is followed by another chapter on portraits and it includes lino carving of portraits which is something that I often think about. In this chapter she also does contours and transfers and collage portraits and painted portraits. She includes a good step-by-step tutorial on breaking down the face too and if you tend to skim over those things in books because it's not your style to break it down and draw the shapes first you might find that this one makes you stop and look a beautiful book I feel like the whole book is so even and so controlled in palette in color which is the palette of her art and her approach and her personal story that the beauty is partly in that in the cohesiveness start to finish this entire thing is just beautiful and smooth and tranquil seductive in its peaceful feeling the consistency of the book is wonderful it's a dreamlike state of flipping the pages there's something subtle and soothing about it lots of neutrals something mysterious and vintage it pulled me in and it might pull you into and maybe your own palette would be nothing like this at all your palette will be personal needs to be personal Might take some work to figure out what it is. But I think you can learn a lot by looking at her examples and her tutorials. And if you are someone who art journals, you might find something new to try, a new project or technique to blend into your own story and approach. It is funny that there is a project related to class photos that has nothing to do with the reason I was asking for high school yearbook pages in the CMP group this week. Similarly, while she does have a section on contours, also not related to why I headed down the path I did for the 100 day project. So these things just happen to be coincidence. These really are just tools and techniques that come up for many artists, many artists, lots and lots of people do contours and lots and lots of people have realized that yearbook photos and old photos, vintage photos our wonderful resource for creative projects. I hope you'll take a look at this book. For me, the book makes me feel wistful. But I also know me. I know where I am. I know that even when I long inside to be a very different kind of artist, I know that the way I approach line is really tied in to me and my own voice. I'm comfortable with that. I'm confident in that. Way back in 2017, I think it might have been December 2017, I recorded a show about being lazy or not lazy, which specifically was about my own lack of interest in messy art making, things that require you to spend a whole lot of time gathering and doing in a different way than drawing. So that comes to mind for me today. And I love it that so many of you are exactly the opposite. And what revs you up and makes you happy and excited and passionate about your work, is the getting messy part, is the need to be in a certain space with a whole bunch of stuff. I love it that we're all so different about what makes us tick creatively. But that show comes to mind. As much as I love the look of work like this, it's not really what I want to do. It's still not. Maybe someday. So a little bit of a prompt. I'm definitely not going to tell you how to art journal. Nope not going to. I would suggest you look at books like this or all of the many, many, many other books about art journaling that I have talked about through the years because there have been a lot of them. I love to look at this kind of work, but a prompt about story because that's what this book is really about. I hope the book or today's discussion inspires you to think about story, about your story, but I encourage you to break things down too. You don't have to tackle your entire life story on one page. Consider smaller stories. Let yourself hone in on a year, a moment, a transition, a success, a turning point, a moment of fear, a connection made or lost, a bridge burned, a moment of being spurned or snubbed. Yeah, I mentioned that last time. I'm still there. Make a list of 10 possible stories. Let them bubble out of you. Don't censor yourself. Just list them. It's best if you do this kind of thing fast. If you don't let yourself think about it, you sit down and you say, okay, and you just start writing. You just start listing. Whatever comes out, comes out. I'm going back again and again and again to encourage you in terms of free writing, because I think so many times we don't let ourselves just release these words. We do censor ourselves in ways that we may not even realize we're doing. So make a list. You don't have to detail them, just make a little rough list. And if you know the year, put the year. So 1988, ice milk on the way to a golf tournament. 1992, a painful divide between generations. 1991, in the pink. 1991, the smell of basil. 2000, Pike Place Market alphabet overalls pink bear make a list let your list come into being don't stop until you run out or fill the page but try for at least 10. you probably have way more than that and the list itself becomes a nice thing in your journal these may be stories you haven't thought about in years or maybe didn't remember that you remembered Reflect on your list. Pick one of those things you listed, one story, one thread of interest. And then set a timer for three minutes and just free write about that story, what you remember. The details, the colors, the smells, the textures, the people, what you heard, what you felt, what you thought, what you wanted, what happened or didn't happen. And after those three minutes, on the same page, just loosely sketch or draw one element related to the story. If you're worried about obscuring everything on the page, take a colored pencil, or a pencil, or a different color of pen. Something that won't interrupt the text. It will become its own layer. Just a rough sketch. Something that comes to mind or that that story inspires for you. And maybe it is just a set of marks. It doesn't have to be a thing kind of visual that comes to mind and then grab some markers or colored pencils or your watercolor set and make a few swatches just a few little swabs a few little strokes a few little rectangles or squares or circles of colors that seem right in this moment for the feeling and the moment of your story as you've thought about it and you've free written about it and you've drawn something, when you reach for color, for this story, what do you pull? Put those on the page. And then you can keep going. Spend some time looking through your collection of clippings and photos, papers and bodder, your ephemera for elements that may tie in with your story and it may not be a literal connection It may not be a photo from that day. It may be something about the color or the tone or the word or a line or pattern, imagery that ties in the pose of a person in a picture. Once you've identified your story and gathered your bits, you take it from there. How will you connect and arrange and tell and show and embed and weave that story, your story? in your way. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for today. That is it for today. My voice almost made it. I had to stop for a few coughing bouts. I do like talking with you about books that are fun and inspiring to look at. I hope you enjoy hearing about a book now and again that may be new to you or that you may decide to revisit with fresh eyes. I do like circling back around to books, books I've loved in the past. I love to reopen and visit anew. And sometimes books that didn't strike me in the past, when I find them again, I'm at a different point. Thank you to all of you who listen, who listen to the show. I do not underestimate the import of that. Thank you to the people who support the CMP. Thank you for unexpected acts of kindness wishlist gifts, gifts of supplies. I do not always mention those on the show. I don't like to single people out. I know other shows do that very differently. I am always hesitant to single people out in that way. I don't want other people to expect things from people in that way. So I am maybe a little unusual about it and I hope that offends no one. So thank you. There have been unexpected gifts of kindness in recent months. Thank you to those of you at Patreon for your support. There are only a few of you, but I really appreciate that you support the show. You believe in the show. And for whatever reason, the show has some resonance for you. It does make a huge difference to me. Thank you for support from people like Teresa of Right Brain Planner and... Tammy of Daisy Yellow. Support in various ways, including unexpected acts of kindness. And within the CMP group, I appreciate all of you who listen, who comment, who share your work, who check in on Saturdays and then again on Sundays with coffee or tea. Thank you. And for those of you who simply walk with me, feeling some form of camaraderie, some form of connection in this journey, some form of similarity, some sense of parallel in our lives, maybe just our ages, maybe our approaches, maybe how we think of things, maybe the books we read, maybe the ways in which we are similar and yet different. Thank you. Those of you I have connections with will probably never realize how important those are. And that is why I so strongly urge you to realize how important your connections and your support is for others as well. My life is richer for knowing and interacting with all of you, which is probably only possible because of this show. So as always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy, and I would love to see you there. And as I mentioned, please, if you're new and you suddenly follow me at Instagram because of this show, please tell me that's how you know me so that I can follow you back. Thank you again to those of you at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. And a secret word for today. It is just this little thing, and I kind of like it. So I'm going to keep tucking these in. If you don't hear them, it's okay. You won't have heard me say that either. So today's secret word, something super basic. And it's funny because I am looking in this moment at a small index card sent to me by Tammy at some point that has a beautiful, beautiful pink circle in the middle surrounded by a burst of color. And even though I have chosen a very different word. I did look at that many times and think of how my words might tie in. But the word for today is lemon. So that's it. As always, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to pray. Have a good week, everyone.